Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that you're here, your presence is surrounding all of us, God, that this, this place has been set, prepared for this morning. Thank you, God, that all of our hearts and ears and eyes and everything about us, Lord, has been set aside for you this morning. Thank you that you'll have our attention, you'll speak into us, you'll give us exactly what we need for today, for tomorrow, and for the future. Thank you, God, that the course of today will never be the same because we've come here to hear you. Father, I thank you for everything you put together for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Forgot I had gum in my mouth. I'll get distracted by chewing. Okay, if everybody would like to open up to 1 Peter chapter 4. This is the first verse we're going to go to this morning. Um, I usually get made fun of, I guess, by how many verses I put in the stuff and homework. So I decided to count them up. I got 24 verses this morning. But we're not going to all of them, all right? I'm going to handle most of them up, most of them myself. But, so the first verse we're going to go to is 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, uh, a couple weeks ago, a pastor asked me if I would like to preach today. And, of course, I mean, why not? Today was the day my son gets dedicated. I mean, how often do you hear that the person preaches that also getting their son dedicated stuff, your whole family's here, all that? I mean, it's just a cool, cool whole thing for me today. So, I was praying... Uh, Pastor and I, we were going to pray about what, uh, what the Holy Spirit was going to give to us to, to speak on, what he wanted me to talk about. And I was on my way to work one morning. Uh, I take Saginaw Road, M30, down M30 to M20. I'm, I'm at work in about 15 minutes. So all this happened within that 15-minute span, and it was a day of the week. Um, it was a day of the week. So um, I was praying uh, of course, whenever I'm alone in the vehicle, the radio is blaring to where like the speakers are going to pop. Actually, I broke my boss's speaker in his truck because the radio was loud. So I was blaring music. I was getting ready for the day. Yeah. I was getting ready for the day. Plus, I need to wake up. Um, I don't drink coffee, so it's my wake-up time. Now, I was on my way to work, and I was praying, like, okay, what is it that you're going to give to me to speak on? What is it you want me to look into? What is it that you want to say? What do you want to say? So, I was driving, and then 1 Peter 4, 7 came up. So, verse 7 is what we're going to go into. Now, I'm going to quickly read it, and we're only going to pay attention to a section of it because it was what was really highlighted out to me, especially this last section. But it says, Now the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-headed and disciplined for prayer. Now, my Bible, it says right above that, it says end time ethics, and chapter 4 talks about following Christ. Yes, this verse is really talking about when Jesus comes back for the church and all this sort of stuff, but it was that last section that was really pressed on me that morning. And when it happened, I actually couldn't hear my music anymore. It was just like, it just hit me right in, the, right in the ears and everything. And I know it was for now. And it was this last part, like I said, it's clear-headed and disciplined in prayer. I don't know what some of your uh, translations say, but underline it. We, I believe in a Bible that can get marked up and drawn in. So I actually poke holes in my Bible on accident when I write because it's like, oh, this is good. So, <laughs> so mark that in your Bible. Listen, we are in to the end time of things, the end of time, end days, all that sort of stuff. When Christ is going to come back for the church, it's going to be amazing, going to be glorious. I'm still trying to figure out what key the trumpets are going to sound in so I know. If Chuck could tell me, I would love that. But I'm going to read it again. Now listen. Now the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear, be clear-headed and disciplined for prayer. When the Holy Spirit spoke to me, I was like, whoa. It was like, that's so true. Dakota, Josh, and I, we were at a conference the other week, and Marty Blackmer, who's awesome, awesome dude. What? Blackmire. Sorry, I work with a Blackmer. Black, Black Welder. Marty Black Welder. Okay. So he was giving us all statistics and all sorts of stuff about the end-time revival that Pastor Hagen was talking about, 52 or 64. In those years, he had two visions and stuff. But when that happened, I was like, yes, this is exactly what it's supposed to be. So for 15 minutes, I sat there on my way to work driving, and I was like, okay, be clear-headed and disciplined for prayer. So I asked the Holy Spirit the silly question. I said, why is this being pointed out to me? Always a silly question whenever he points something out to ask him why you need to point it out, because obviously he needs you to pay attention. So I asked him, why is this being pointed out to me? And I could hear the Spirit say, there's still a lot to be done and a lot to be covered in prayer. Right. 
And I, and I was like, all right, that's pretty plain Jane. That's pretty, pretty direct. And so then I decided to ask another question, which was, I didn't, it wasn't necessary. I, I knew what the answer was going to be, but I just wanted to see what he was going to say. One of those whole deals. It's like when your mom tells you to do something, it's like, well, why? <laughs> so it's one of those things. So I knew it was important already. So I said, why is this important? And I was like, just, just shh, and listen already, Stephen. But I was like, why is this important? So I just wanted to be told, just see what he had to say. And he came up to me with four answers, which, I, you know, we all know why we should pray, why it's important stuff, why to be clear-headed, why believers need to be into all these things. We know that stuff. We just, we just start talking to people and be like, well, I, you know, you got to be a disciple of Christ. You got to have the influence, all that kind of stuff. You got to live right for him. There's a whole bunch of stuff that follows along with it. But he came to me with four specific answers. Now, the first one I want to get to, first thing that he said to me when I asked that question, why is this important to be clear-headed and disciplined in prayer? The first one he gave me was, prayer makes a leader. Right. And I was like, yeah, I sat there thinking about it. I was like, think about all of the leaders that we know of today. I mean, I'm, I'm taking leaders in the church, leaders of Christ and everything. There's a lot of other leaders outside of Christianity and stuff that do well and whatnot. But I'm talking about Bible-believing leaders, right. Christ-living leaders. And one attribute that you can see in every single one of them, and you can look at the staff in this church, you can name other big-time preachers and evangelists and prophets, missionaries and stuff, they are prayers. They are, pray, they are people of prayer, prayer warriors and stuff. They are constantly in prayer. I'm, uh, when we were in Tulsa and I was hanging out with Beck and Grady one night when Elizabeth was at work, and he and I we were just talking about everything, whatever. And I remember one time in the conversation, he actually stopped. And I don't know if you noticed, he stopped and said a quick little prayer, prayer, and then he kept talking. I just remember that right now. I was just thinking of people, leaders, stuff. He actually did that in mid-conversation with us. I sat there for a second waiting for him to finish, like, are you done? But I, get, I understand why now. A person, a person who prays and stuff, it, it's just powerful, and he knew it. He was a leader, he knows it. Grady's, Grady's a leader. There's a ton of leaders. Like I said, in this church, look at them. Um, John Maxwell, pastor, brought this up the other day, and I was like, yes, that's, that's true. I remember it. Uh, John Maxwell, if anybody knows him, he's a great guy, awesome motivational speaker, influencer, all this sort of stuff, great leadership training and stuff. If you don't know him, I suggest grab any one of his books and you'll learn something. Uh, we have several of his books, and they're amazing. The, the guy just is great. And he had, I don't know which book it is, whatnot, but he had this quote. It says, leadership is influence. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's so right and everything. So I was like, okay, leadership is influence and everything. And so I was like, okay, who is an appropriate person to look at for us believers in the church? Who is the leader? All right. Obviously, it's Jesus Christ, the greatest leader we have ever known, ever will know, ever could follow after. So I was going to look at Jesus for a second. And one thing, I've got six verses I just grabbed quickly for this part. If you look at it, Jesus prayed regularly, all the time. Every other day, Jesus was praying. He kept himself so in tune and so in line with God that it was all because of prayer and stuff. And I'm just going to quickly, you don't have to, if you, if you want to jot these down, you can go ahead, but I'm just going to quickly read them off, just like part of the verse and the, and the reference. So here are several. It says, after he dismissed them, he went up onto the mountainside by himself to pray, Matthew 14, 23. Then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray, Matthew 26, 36. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 1.35, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, Luke 5.16. One of those days, Jesus went onto the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God, Luke 6.12, last one. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up, Luke 18.1. Look at, if you, Jesus is the epic example, epic example on how to overcome everything and how to live life, how to do stuff. And he had prayer all the time. And you know what was really cool is, you know, he had his 12 friends, 11 friends, 12 friends. He had all of them with him stuff. He still made time to get away from all of them, to go aside in the lonely places, yes. have solitude, and pray. Yes. It was that important that Jesus, I don't want to say he pushed away everybody, but he said, wait here, I got some job, I got some business to go take care of. And it was prayer. If God, if Jesus, the Lord and Savior, the one who came to deliver all of us, thought it was that important to do it, 
We should be doing. We should be doing it. Amen. Get after it. Yeah. So, and uh, so going into looking at a leader and stuff in prayer, one thing that set all these guys apart—Jesus, the disciples, whatnot—was leaders do things that are not commonplace. My mom and I, we went out uh, last week. We had a date. We went out to eat and then saw a movie and stuff. And we were at Culver's. We quickly just hit Culver's before the movie theater to kill some time and to spend some time talking and whatnot. And I remember when I was younger, it was more commonplace to see people praying in restaurants. Right. And now it's like if you see one, it's like a unicorn. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not so commonplace anymore because there's people... I don't want to say we're afraid or whatnot. It's just we've become lax on it. On. You know, we've become like, well, I can pray when I get home or whatnot. Uh, I'll pray when somebody asks me to pray for and whatnot. It's, it's, we just kind of treat it as like, if it's a, if, if I'm directed to, I'm going to pray. Right. I don't remember ever reading the Bible where Jesus was directed to go pray. He just went and did it. Right. Yeah. He just he just got aside and said, I'm going to go pray right now. You guys just hold on, and wait. So they were doing things that were not commonplace and whatnot, and that's prayer. Uh, leaders do things that are not commonplace. Right. They don't live mediocre or whatnot. And what I saw with all these guys, when you, when you look at Jesus and everybody that he was going with, they were living with courage. It takes courage to do this kind of stuff. It takes courage to live differently. All right? It takes courage to live differently today than it ever has been stuff, because there's a lot of stuff coming against us. It takes a lot of courage to stand up, to stay where you're at, to be, footed, be firm-footed, yeah. and to believe in what you believe and not be persuaded other ways. Come on. Yeah. So that's what they were doing. They, were, they wanted to live different. Okay, the world did not like them because of that. They went against the grain. It's, it's in human nature to follow a, a natural rhythm and pattern, stuff like a stream. But Christ and, Christ and disciples were going against it. They were getting out of it and stuff, doing stuff. They were disrupting the world's way and all that and this, uh, the enemy's rhythm and patterns for this world, they were getting out of it. It took courage to do all that stuff. Like I said, they weren't mediocre. That was not a characteristic of the apostles in Christ. So we are not to be mediocre. I've never met a mediocre leader. Right. Yes, sir. That's right. So, and Satan really hates it when us believers live in the uniqueness that God designed for us. Because then that's not mediocre, and that puts us in a way better position and stuff, and he hates it. He hates it when we don't live mediocre. So we don't walk, we don't talk, we don't dress, we don't speak like that. We don't do, do, we don't, we don't do the world's stuff. We get out of that. Now, it took courage. It, well, actually, it takes courage to walk the right path with God. It really does. You know, multiple times, there are many, many times where I could have been uncourageous and not stand for my faith or whatnot, what I believe. I had a boss, I won't say who, when, and where, but I had a boss that literally was telling me I went to a cult and all stuff to my face, uh, that I was dumb and stupid for believing what I believed. I just sat there and let him speak his piece, and then as soon as he was finished, I'd say, okay, have fun. Just took courage to stand there and stuff. Right. I didn't go run and hide away. And every time I saw him, I knew that's what he was going to say. That's just what the world wants to say, but I was like, all right. Can't, can't persuade me otherwise, so go ahead, say your spiel, and I'll just look at you and smile and make you uncomfortable. So, now, we got to keep moving forward. You know, God did not design, like I said, we have this life that is unique for every single one of us. God did not design a life for us to be stagnant where we're at. Yeah. Look at leaders. They're never stagnant. Right. Right. If you find a leader who's stagnant, he's now just become a follower of someone else. Or actually, not even a follower. Sometimes they just stop and sit and wait and let everything pass by. So, uh, God did not design for us to have a life that is stagnant, but to keep moving forward with the kingdom of God. You know, a leader will move forward with things. Amen. When we're supposed to move forward with the kingdom of God, with the expansion of the kingdom, getting, getting souls, yeah. we become leaders because we're going out and doing things. Yeah. God, does, God wants Christian leaders in all aspects and areas of everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would stress all the time to the kids in youth group at, in South Dakota, uh, so half of them were in rodeo and stuff. I said, you don't have to be behind a pulpit to be in ministry and stuff and to be a leader. I was like, you can do it. And one of them would go to the, she was a, the U.S. barrel racing champion and stuff. And she actually one time said that she led Bible study out in Nevada when, or Vegas when they were, when they were doing stuff. And I said, that's, that's ministry right there. I said, you were doing it. I said, that took courage. That's different. You're not being stagnant. You're doing something. And uh, so it was great to see all that kind of stuff and like get that into them because that's the same for all of us here too. 
ministry isn't just behind this. So, you know, God's given you a life to move forward with the kingdom, so get out there and have fun and go ride the ride. So here's the final question I have about, you know, why is being a leader important? Being a leader who prays is important. Like I said, John Maxwell stated that leadership is influence, right? Okay, so let me ask you this question that's going to be really, really direct and simple. But who do you want influencing your home? If you're, not being, if you're not going to be the leader in your home, there's going to be a leader over your home, and you want to make sure it's, it's good. I'm sure Joe is the better leader at his home than I would be, right? <laughs> um, but there's a, there's a lot of other worse leaders that could be going on the people's home stuff when we aren't doing stuff. When we're not being the leaders in our homes, Satan's going to find a leader. That's just a, a hard truth. Don't be stagnant. Don't sit there and stuff. A leader prays, all right? Now, when we pray, uh, we get in line and stuff. We, want, we, we don't want somebody else influencing our home. We want to influence our home. First, we want to get ourselves checked and in the right order and stuff, and we do that by praying. That gets us in direct communication with God. He can work on us, build us up, strengthen us up, and, and leadership is influence. I know I influence my home. I influence my boss when I'm at work and my other coworker and stuff. Some of the customers, when we go to their homes, we influence them. It just happens. God, God's called every single believer that's under Jesus' name to be a leader. That's good. So, uh, listen, when God influences you, you get to go influence other people. It's great stuff. You influence those around you. You need to be a leader of prayer. And that was the first thing that the Holy Spirit showed me. This was number one. Leader, uh, prayer makes a leader. Prayer builds a leader up and everything. So the next part that the Holy Spirit showed me was power through prayer. I'm still on my way to work. All this stuff was still hitting me, and there was power through prayer. Now, everybody turn over to Isaiah 37. So go Old Testament. Actually, I had just heard, my boss and I, we were, we were talking the other day, and somebody he had heard actually preached that the Old Testament should be cut out of the Bible. Yeah, and I was like, what? I was like, don't they understand? Old Testament's there for teaching and stuff, and you look at all the types of shadows between Old and New Testament, you can see Old Covenant and New Covenant. I was like, listen, I, was, I told him, I was like, that person, I use a, a, a word, that wasn't nice, just calling him like dumb or something, but in our house we just say he's silly. We, we, alternate, we, we use an alternate word. That person's just silly. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 37. Uh, we're hitting Old, Old Testament because there's something important in here. Now, Jesus was the best person to follow after for leadership and for prayer and stuff. He is the ultimate person. But I want to bring it down to somebody because none of us are the Savior of the world. I want to find somebody that's more like us, more relatable to us, all right? And it's, about, it's going to be about King Hezekiah, all right? Now, King Hezekiah ruled over Judah, and he was a good and faithful king and stuff. Uh, he, he did really good, and there was one thing that was really good about him. We'll read it into a second, but there was another king. I, I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce his name. Sennacherib. So, yes. So, the king of Assyria. We're going we're gonna to bring it down to my level. The king of Assyria, which was a much more powerful nation. He was a much more powerful nation. Kingdom was bigger, all this sort of stuff. The king of Assyria. Now, he decided to take an attempt at taking King Hezekiah's kingdom. He wanted to take over and stuff. You can read, it's this whole entire chapter. You can read the whole account. We're not going to because I don't have that much time. But throughout his stressful time of leadership, Hezekiah got, got a messenger from the Assyrian king said, we're coming, we're going to take over. All right, and the first thing, that King Hezekiah did was he went and sought the Lord out in prayer. Yeah. The first thing he did. And if you look back in his life, like there's time uh, in, in chapter 38, I think it is, he gets sick and stuff. The other times in the, in the past, all this sort of stuff. Every single battle plan he had started off with him in prayer. Because Hezekiah learned that there was power through prayer. I, I took us to the Old Testament because there was power through prayer in the Old Testament. All right? We're in the New Testament living now. New Covenant. So listen, Old Testament, there was power through prayer and whatnot. So through stressful time of leadership, he sought God out in prayer. He constantly did that. He used the same battle plan. He prayed to God, but then he followed God's commands. That was the important part. You don't just pray, say your bit, 
and run off and do your own thing. He had to listen to what God's command was. So he prayed. Uh, Isaiah the prophet came to him and said, listen, you pray. God heard you. He's going to speak to you now. He, he, don't worry. The city will not be touched. The city will be protected. God's going to cover the city. He's going to protect all the inhabitants. You will not be touched. So that very night, there was an angel that went out into the camp of the Assyrian king and slayed all the warriors, slayed all the army, 185,000 of them. The king of Assyria woke up and saw his entire army dead, freaked out, got scared, ran off home. Hezekiah never even had to draw out his army. He prayed, he knew how to pray, and he prayed and got results. He understood the power through prayer. Now, that's an awesome testimony to see out of the Old Testament. Aren't we living in the New Testament now? So the same thing is going to be carried over. I know that. That's, a, that's an important thing. Listen, he was under the Old Covenant, I'm under the New Covenant. We have better promises because of Jesus, right? So, if an army was coming up against my house, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pray. I'm going to get my battle plan in order, and then I'm going to listen to what God has said. I'm going to follow through and listen to those commands. There's power through prayer. Hezekiah saw it, he used it, and, and they were saved. There was other times where he prayed and things happened for him and stuff, but I just love that. And when I thought about this when I was sitting in my car, Holy Spirit reminded me of a situation that happened. And it was, one of, it was one of the scariest moments of my life. We were in South Dakota. I was the custodian at the school. And this was just before school started. So, we, so the staff was in there. The staff and the volleyball girls were in the gym practicing. Um, so no other students. Classrooms were empty. I was, I was working, setting the classrooms up, organizing them, just doing this final spot check and clean. And I come out of the hallway. Now, the hallway from where I was at, Okay, so let's say the front entry of the, we'll use that wall since everybody can see, not that doorway. The entryway to the school that I cleaned was at that wall. I'm standing maybe about here away from me. I come out of the classroom, and I look down the hallway, and I see my boss and another custodian who was an EMT and firefighter with me. And he's down there in the entryway. And all of a sudden, I see them freak out. They're running back and forth like crazy. They're grabbing doors and shutting them. And then this guy plants his body up against the window. He's got a gun in his hand, smacks the door, and I hear gun. I can see the guy, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, just normal day at work. I'm getting ready to clean the school. And boom, a dude with a gun is sitting right at the front door trying to get in. He had a beef with a couple of teachers, a husband and wife, and he wanted to get in after them. So I see that kind of stunned for a second. You're like, like, what do you do? He actually took off running around the corner and say, actually, the corner to the side of the school is about to where that corner is at that doorway, and it goes straight down the side of the school, down to the end corner where I have a science room that I clean. That science room had a door open in the room. In the room, He took off running, and I didn't know where he was going because, you know, the hallway and other room stuff, but I'm still standing in the doorway where I was at. And he takes off running, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's gone. And boom, I see a body fly by the door, by the window, through the classroom. I was like, oh my goodness, he was going down to that door. He's running down the line of the school going down. I turned, I took off running as fast as I could. I'm athletic, I can move pretty fast. But he had a head start on me. He was already moving quick. You can cover 21 feet in a second when you're in full bore move. So 21 feet in one second. He was already going, he was booking as fast as he could. He had his gun out in his hand and everything, he was trying to get in, he was on a mission. I turned and I ran down that hallway as fast as I could. As soon as I started running, I started to pray. I prayed out loud. I was booking down that hallway as fast as I could, and I was praying out loud. I said, God, get me to that door now in Jesus' name. Yeah. I said, get me there. If he gets in, we're stopping him. I said, if he stays out, he's getting stopped. Like, I was praying, I was booking, and I know the Holy Spirit brought that up to me because the power of the prayer, I was moving faster than I physically ever have in my life. Right. He had a straight shot to that door. I had the hallway cut in the room, five rows of tables, a desk, then the door. I moved down that hallway. I was praying. I know the Holy Spirit gave me a shove to move faster. I busted through that doorway, and the first table I ran to, so a table, you know, when you sit at a table, you're like this high. So I hit that table with my foot, and I jumped over all those tables, and I landed on the other side of the desk right by the door. And I grabbed the door, and I grabbed it, and I shut it. And as soon as I shut that door, my hand was still on it, and it clicked, his hand went on the door too. He, he grabbed it at that same exact second. Wow. I can't tell you how many beats my heart skipped at that moment. <laughs> I didn't even know if the door was locked. Wow. I kept my hand on that door. 
at work, they call me Gorilla Grip. I can grab something and I hold on. <laughs> I held that door and I was ready to rip the handle off it. And I remember at that moment, he was on the, like, just a metal door. I'm here, metal door, the evil, right there on the other side. I remember sitting there, like, thinking, if this door opens, God, we're stopping him. I said, whatever's going to happen. But at that moment, when he hit the door, I hit the door, we shut it, I shut it. Uh, the sheriff came right around the corner down the street at the front of the school, and boom, that guy saw him. He took off running. He, his house is actually half a block over. I could still see him through the windows, his house. Sheriff chased him to his house. There was a standoff, all that sort of stuff. Uh, they had to call in special teams to come and get him. And uh, we're, the school was on lockdown. Pretty much the whole town was. The town was, the town was tiny. Everyone knew what was going on. And I remember, like, we're, everybody starts, like, coming out of the classrooms and whatnot, seeing that everything was happening and whatnot. And people were still freaking out. And I just could not stop thinking, like, there is no way I should have touched that door before him. Just thinking, man, the power through that prayer. I know for a fact that that Holy Spirit, I don't know how fast I was moving. I wish it, I wish it was clocked because I knew it would have been, I went, I knew it would have been a world record. All right. It would have been awesome. But... I was praying for that. I was praying, power. Holy Spirit, you help me. He did. Just like he helped King Hezekiah. Just like he helped the other disciples when they would go and minister and stuff. They prayed. They got results. There was power for the prayer. And that moment, the Holy Spirit reminded me that that power in the prayer happened. He was giving me that example. I have other stories. But that one he highlighted to me that morning. So, you got King Hezekiah's account. You got my account. You can have your own account. All right? Now, go to Isaiah 37, verse 21. This is what I want you to mark up as well. Highlight it, rip it out, tape it to your chest, do something. All right? Isaiah 37, 21. I'm going to read this quickly for you, all right? So th this is the part where God answers Hezekiah. And it says, Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, Because you prayed to me. That, right there. Was why, is why there's power through prayer. Right there, that's the whole thing. God said to Rosa, because you prayed to me, because I prayed to God, I got to that doorway. Many times in the ambulance, not everything goes by the book. Joe, you know that. Not every fire call was by the book. Not every ambulance ride is by the book. If it was, it would be so much easier. I'd walk in like, all right, this is what we do. This is how we handle it. It was not. Many times I walked in, we're confused. People are like, what's going to happen? We're like, all right, well, I'm going to say a little prayer to myself. You guys freak out for a moment. Pray. I tell you what, I'd never had an, I never had one unsuccessful ambulance call. Never once. And, I, and all the carnage and things that I've been in, never one unsuccessful call. And I went through every single one of them with prayer. I was following the same battle plan. It was awesome. When, I, when, uh, when Elizabeth and I, we got big decisions to make and stuff, we, we do it with prayer. Before we left Tulsa, it was lead, led in prayer. Before we... Left South Dakota, it was led in prayer. Right. When we got our house, it was led in prayer. Everything was got found the same battle plan. There was power through prayer. So, you know, the power gives the power gives us power of the, over evil. That's what happened for me that day. It gave us power. So, there's no physical strength that can help us overcome obstacles and challenges in the spiritual realm. Right. That's why prayer is important. Yes. Prayer. Prayer can give you the supernatural power. Before David faced Goliath, he prayed. Look at them physically. It's like putting my Daniel next to a pastor. Physically, ain't nothing going to happen. That's why Goliath was sure confident and said, I'm going to feed you to the dogs. But David prayed. And look what, look what was accomplished. Power through prayer over evil. Two, two verses I got for you. Well, I'm going to quickly read this one. Everyone knows Ephesians 6, 12, for we don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but through the powers of darkness, that whole stuff. It's very important. Write that down. You have to remember that because there's a lot of stuff happening in this world today that's evil, and we're thinking that it's, it's people. We're thinking it's people. It's not people. It's evil that's behind them. It's the, it's the wrong influencer. It's the evil that's happening, that's coming through. We need to know. We need to recognize. Yeah, there's people in, in, in politics that I necessarily wouldn't want there. Right. 
But it's not them I'm fighting against. It's not them I'm praying against. If you're not praying for politicians, I'm sorry for you, but the Bible said to do so. So don't, don't take it up with me. Take it up with God. Now, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. 1 Timothy 4.8. Write that down. 1 Timothy 4.8. And then the next one is Matthew 26.41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now, when I pray and I end things with, in Jesus' name, I've recognized and noticed that every time I say, in Jesus' name, or when you say the name of Jesus, victory is tied to Jesus' name. Right. right? So when you pray, when you pray and you say, in Jesus' name, you've immediately tied victory to it. So believe that. Don't, don't say a prayer and think that victory is like this. You don't know. Show me where Jesus did not win. Show me, show me my Savior who did not win. A lot of people think that when he went to the cross, he didn't win. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he won. I won. So when you say, in Jesus' name, when you end a prayer like that, you, you tied victory to it. Think about that. Remember that. That's why when I pray over stuff, I pray in confident. I'm secure. I'm confident that I've tied victory to it. I'm going to have victory for that prayer. Now, the next part, the third part that Holy Spirit gave to me is that uh, you stand your ground through prayer. So, Prayer makes a leader. There's power through prayer, and you stand your ground through prayer. Prayer weaponizes your mind. When you pray about something, when you pray over a, a situation, your mind becomes a weapon. Because when you're praying, you're in direct communication with God. The Holy Spirit, you've given him a channel to speak to you, and you just get the focus. Your mind is a weapon. When Satan comes to try to attack you, you're like, no, I, I, I prayed this. I, I spoke this scripture. I spoke his word over this. Your mind becomes a weapon in that instance. Good. So multiple times, like I said, I've been in tense, scary situations. I've prayed. I prayed through them all. And there were many times through the prayer and even afterwards, things would try to go awry and stuff, but it's like, nope, I prayed. Yeah. There, was, there was a couple of times, a couple of calls I've been on or situations even when we were in Tulsa and stuff, and I'd pray, and even afterwards, it seems like it keeps going downhill, and I'm like, I prayed. I have the expectation, and guess what happened at the end? The expectation came through. We won. I win. The prayer got answered. So, you know, you stand confident. You stand secure that when you pray, you tie Jesus into it. You're involving Jesus into everything. You involve God into everything when you pray over a situation. When you're praying over family members, when you're praying over financial situations, you've allowed God to get into every single nook and cranny of that, that whole prayer. That's what it does. That's what, we, that's what we do with that. When you pray, you, you, you've opened it up to God, every nook and cranny. So uh, when you're a person of prayer, the enemy is going to come at you in various different ways, trying to get you to fall. But you've already weaponized your mind. You've got all the natural resources of heaven sitting available for you, every single strategy and weapon to dispel every lying attempt of the Satan to try to get you to fall. And you've made them available because you've gotten direct communication with God. You're getting in there. If, if anything... Prayer, praying just makes you get in direct contact with God, just to talk with Him. It, it, just, it can shut everything up else around you and close up stuff, and you just, you just get away and alone with God. And right there is a victory enough just for that, just be able to have alone time with God. So Satan is not able to take over your mind if you're in constant communication with God. Hey, my God's bigger than Satan, right? If he's, inhabit, if he's the inhabitant of my head... The inhabitant in my heart, ain't no room for you, man. Ain't no room for the world. Can't stand. I, 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 never mind. So, yeah. When you pray, you allow the Holy Spirit to talk, to talk to you, to give you every single strategy to handle any situation you come across. That's just the truth. That's just the plain, simple truth for it, man. And women, sorry. But... Next thing, not the next thing, like another part to it about standing ground. Uh, prayer can succeed where other means have failed. There, there, have, there have been times in, in my past when I've tried to do something where I did not pray about it. I, it just wasn't happening. Things weren't working out. Things weren't happening and stuff. It's like, man, this is a bummer. This is a killjoy. I know why. It's because I wasn't 
pulling God into the situation. I wasn't opening up for him. God, is, God doesn't push himself onto you. He comes where he's invited. When you pray, you're inviting him to do stuff with you. And after I've prayed, and I've opened it up to God to step in, it's worked out. Things have happened. Things have come, to, come together. You know, prayer should not be a last resort for a believer. It should be the first response. You want, you, God wants you to live with first response attitude with him. Not, not, not try to play catch up like, oh, shoot, I'm 50, 50 yards ahead of him. Maybe I should try to bring him around. If I'm back there and I'm moving with him, every single step in those 50 yards is going to be perfect. It's going to be directed. It's going to be covered. It's got, God's going to be in every single one of it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be good. So the, the word for this year uh, or the word or the, the phrase for this year was limitless or take off the limits. You cannot live a limitless life with God without prayer. If you want to live limitless, if you want to take off the limits that, that the world gives you or that you put on yourself, open yourself up with prayer. Open, open your life up to prayer. Make it a lifestyle. Uh, the verse that Pastor had for uh, those bookmarks, these bookmarks, uh, put a breakthrough request before God, uh, 1 John 5, 14 through 15. Take off the limits. You want to live a limitless life with God, oh, do it in prayer. That's the only way you're going to have it. That's where, that's where you line yourself up. You're praying things into existence. You're, when you pray, you're paving the way for things to happen. Right. You're smoothing out bumps and filling in holes and stuff through prayer. That's what prayer does. That's, that's, that's an important part. So the next thing that the Holy Spirit gave to me, which I thought was cool because the third part was really defensive, like staying your ground. Like if I stood my ground and somebody tried to hit me and I was really staying on my ground, it would be harder for me to push. Be very defensive. The next part was attack with prayer. With prayer, attack with prayer. So the fourth part was very offensive. And as a Christian, it's like the whole stigma out there: like Christians are docile, soft. We don't do anything. We're not confrontational. Uh, we're very timid. We're meek. You kidding me? Christianity is offensive. It's powerful. It's strong. Holy Spirit, the fourth thing he said was attack with prayer. Very offensive. You know, prayer always is available to us. It's very offensive. When Satan comes, when he tries to push at you and throw stuff in your life or whatnot, attack family members, parents, kids, uh, your health, your finances, stuff. He's being very attackative stuff. We're not supposed to sit there and be like, oh, being, being attacked. He's giving us prayer to a fight back. It's always available. When you get a bad report, boom, your first response. In Jesus' name, I declare, or by Jesus' stripes, I've been made healed. My finances will come back up. My vehicle is going to keep running. My vehicle's 20 years old. It's a cool old Jeep. It's got some rust, but that thing is going to be strong and powerful because I pray. I tithe. That thing's going to last a long time. Yes, sir. See, this is, you're attacking with prayer stuff. The things that are deteriorating and whatnot, Satan's trying to get you with stuff. We don't sit there and let all that stuff just hit us. Holy Spirit told me, attack with prayer. So obviously it's a strategy God wants us to live with. Amen. So, uh, let's see. Uh, prayer's always available for you. It's always there. You, you have it all the time. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't have, I, Psalms 139 verse 7 and Romans 8, 38-39, it talks about, you know, where can I go away from your presence and stuff? Neither life nor death, any, no living thing or creature on earth can keep us away from God. It's always there. It's always available. You have an offensive, offensive weapon right then and there at your disposal. And it starts with prayer. It's powerful. There's power through prayer. You stand your ground with prayer. You attack with prayer. You move forward. You know, enemy is really attacking us, the church, twisting and perverting things. Listen, just because something is a law it does not make it right. There's a lot of death happening because of some, some craziness and stuff. Speak out. Get loud. Pray. I really think that some things have, have come to pass and happened stuff because we weren't praying. We were sitting docile. We were being timid. We were being meek. Even somebody, even somebody in a boxing room, when they get hit ten times, they can still throw a punch. Yeah. 
you go. You keep, pick, your, pick your fists up. Pick your voice up. Start praying. Get loud. We need to become more united under the same banner. So we get together. A prayer strengthens the bonds between believers. When, when uh, If I've got something, the right strategy that God gives us is you, you get a brother or a sister, somebody in Christ, to help carry the burden and say, I need prayer or something. I, we're the same family. We're the same body. Let's get united on the same banner. Like, I need prayer or something. Or let me pray for you. Let me join with you. Let's strengthen those bonds. Mm-hmm. Let's become united again. Satan is really attacking and dividing the church, bring, trying to bring us down. If he, destroys this, if he destroys this, well, he's destroyed everything else that follows after outside these doors. We get together. Prayer strengthens the bonds between believers. We need to be praying with people, praying with one another. Battle buddies, warrior buddies. Dakota and I, I, many times we've prayed with each other over stuff. Personally, for other people, we've become, we've become battle buddies for prayer. It's time, it's, it's time when the enemy attacks us, we go in, we, we go in with, some, with some reinforcements. We go in with some buddies. You know, another, another awesome thing about prayer is prayer Answered prayer as a potential witness. It is awesome when your prayer happens, when you pray, it happens, comes to pass, your prayer is answered. That's another evidential piece of witnessing for Christ stuff. Satan hates it when we pray, because when we pray and we get results, it's evidence for people who doubt. It's another tool for us to say, Jesus Christ is real, the kingdom of heaven is alive. There is an eternity in heaven. There's a Savior that came and died for you, raised, raised from the dead for you, ascended into heaven. There's a Savior that has healing for you today, tomorrow, yesterday, all that stuff. Prayer, answered prayer is a potential witness. Satan doesn't like us to pray because we're vocalizing what God says and stuff. He wants us to sit quiet and everything. Uh, he, want, he doesn't want us to speak God's words. He's afraid of that. When you speak the word of God, you get terrified. Right. You're fighting back when you pray. Right. And, you know, once you stop praying, you've given up. You've, you, you, you've let yourself lose. When, uh, when I hear somebody, when I hear a Christian say like, oh, I just, I, I'm, not just, I'm not praying as much as I should, or I'm not praying like I should, or nope, not a single thing I need to be praying about. I'm all good. <laughs> yeah, you could be good, but I have family that isn't saved. I know there's people in this church that need prayer. So there's always a reason to be praying. So, you know, I don't intend to sound mean, but I want to be truthful, okay? Now, to me, a believer who doesn't pray, right, who, who isn't very vocal or not, is a silent believer. And therefore, to me, is a dead believer. I, I'm not trying to be mean. God did not save us to be dead believers, silent believers and stuff. Because if it was, then that means we'd be following after God, and God is not silent. My God is not silent about stuff that's happening in this world. You want to know what? Well, it's all in there. So, like I said, I'm not trying to be mean. Don't be a silent Christian. Don't be a silent believer. Satan wants that. He wants you to be a dead believer. Dead things don't talk. You're alive. You get loud. In the mountaintops and in the valleys, you get loud. Actually, I think in the valleys, the echo is cooler. It's like, boom, 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 down, down valleys and stuff like that. Mountaintops, everything's just like, oh. It's all cool. But when you're in the valley and you're getting loud and you're speaking and you're praying stuff, oh, it's thunderous. It's awesome. So, God, God's word calls us to pray, especially. You know, above all that stuff, you know, why should we pray? The final thing about it is God's word calls us to pray. It's a command. I'm just going to quickly read these. I got several, okay? Pray for those who persecute you. And when you pray, this then is how you should pray. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Pray continually. I urge you then, first of all, that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Prayer is an act of obedience. 
So even after anything I've said that the Holy Spirit has given me or whatever he said to you, the first and foremost thing is it's a, it's a command. Yes. Want to be obedient? Pray. Be obedient, and you shall what of the good of the land? You shall eat and reap the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient, prayer is a part of that obedience. All right, so now, you know, to live as a leader, leadership is influence. You all have influence in your homes, in your family. So you're a leader. If you like it or not, you're a leader. People follow you. I didn't, I, when I first heard that I was a leader when I was a kid, I didn't like it because I wasn't the greatest. <laughs> you don't need to laugh. Okay, you can laugh. <laughs> yes, I was not the greatest. So when, you know, when God was saying, like, I'm going to build leadership in you, it was like, no, people are going to look at me. So you got to have the right example. So to live as a leader, someone who has influences, who prays, who uses the power that comes through prayer, you stand your ground through prayer, you attack with prayer. First comes with, you start praying. Yes. You get down, you get that alone time with God, you do it out in public, right. take, have courage in the, in the common place to pray. Yeah. So that was what was given to me, was those four things. Prayer makes a leader, there's power through prayer. You stand your ground through prayer, and you attack with prayer. Yeah. Now, everyone stand up. I said we're not, we're not dead believers, right? So we're not silent, aren't we? Are we not? Right. Not going to be silent. I'm going to be praying for stuff. All of you, the Bible said pray continually, so that tells me the Bible knows there's things to be prayed about, right? So we're going to lift up our voice. We're going to start praying. My son was dedicated. That's awesome. I'm, I'm going to be praying for his future. When you pray, you're making a declaration also. When you're declaring the word of God, it's a declaration against Satan and his wiles and all that stuff. So we're going to pray. Every single one of us, I know we have something to pray about. If you don't have something, I will tell you what to pray about. If you don't have something to pray about, the person next to you has something to pray about. Strengthen those bonds with believers. Get prayer. Make this a lifestyle. When you make this a lifestyle, look at through all the people in the Bible. Pastor talked about faith in the fire. And all the, all the people who went through stuff, like everybody in the Bible, when they've gone through a hardship and whatnot, what they did and stuff, look at them again and look at that prayer was a part of them. Prayer is supposed to be a part of you. I'm, I'm going to continue to make prayer my lifestyle. Amen. We, need, we need to become loud again. Yes. Satan's become too loud and getting some terrible stuff to get past and to happen. Let's get louder. He, he gets scared. So, think of a person. Anybody who's ever wronged you. Think of uh, someone who isn't saved. Think of your job. Think of your finances. Think of your kids. Think of your, children, uh, your grandchildren. Anybody in your family, pastor's uncle was praying for his family, and look what happened. That's a whole testimony. That's an answer prayer. That's a, that was, that's a witness right there. That answer prayer is a witness. So start thinking of stuff. What can I pray about? Don't know? Ask God. He'll give it to you. If you don't know, I'll give you one. But get loud right now. Start. And Jude 1.20 talks about praying in the most holy, praying in the spirit stuff, building up your most holy faith. Those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, pray that way. If you aren't, I know you can make words. So in Jesus' name, I'm tying victory to this prayer. God, thank you that we are not silent believers, that we are alive, that you've given us a mandate, a call, and a command in our lives. Thank you, God, through everything that we have walking through this life, that when Satan comes to attack us, Lord, we can attack back, we can stand with prayer. Lord, I thank you right now that through everybody's families here, God, that their children are taught and trained up in the right ways. Lord, I thank you that you are bringing witnesses, that you're bringing examples. Lord, I thank you that Christ is the epic example on how to overcome. Father, to anybody in this, in this place that has unsaved family, Lord, I pray that you help build us into the leaders with the right influence to help breed Christ's influences in the world. Lord, thank you that you're going to make us the right, real Christian leaders. Thank you that prayer is going to be powerful. Lord, you're changing things through prayer. There's power through prayer because we have prayed to you in the name of Jesus. I pray over everybody's finances this year, the most growth, wealthiest, the most harvest, raped, everything, Father. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. For families, anybody who's dealing with a sickness or disease, Lord, 
We could pray in Jesus' name that by his stripes we've been made well, we've been healed. Lord, thank you that when we walk down the street, we're covered, we're protected. God, there's power of the prayer. Lord, through everybody's homes, I pray that the ministry experience surround it. They're in every single nook and cranny. God, come into our lives, work the miracles, give us, give us the courage to live, to live to live for you in the common places. God, we are not silent believers. Lord, make us loud again. Lord, I pray for our president and everybody in the political offices, all the states. Lord, I pray that the evil, the powers and authorities of the darknesses are pushed away because you are building up Christian leaders to get in there and make the influences. God, that Jesus is the influence in those political offices, in our White House, in our Capitol, in our Senate, in our Congress. Father, I thank you, God, that you are in every nook and cranny, burning away the darkness. You're making your light shine. God, I thank you for over cities and towns where the enemy has been twisting and perverting and destroying stuff. God, I thank you that that your, your reviving life is coming back through. I thank you that Christians are going in those places with power behind them. That the Holy Spirit is sending them into the dark places, Father, to make the light shine again. Thank you that you're everywhere and you're just waiting for us to step into those places with you. Thank you that you're going to take us to those places. You're going to take us to those deep, 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 deep places with you. And we could just see miracles happen. In the mountaintops and in the valleys, Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that you're there. Thank you that prayer will become our lifestyle. In the schools, the children, Father, the future, our generation's coming up. I stand for my generation. In Jesus' name, I will be a catalyst in my generation. I will not fall to the wayside like ash. I will be strong and mighty. I will be an oak planted by the river. I will have your living wealth spring up within me, your words, your guidance, your influence, your, your counsel, everything, Father. I thank you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, when we leave this place today, thank you that you will annoy us to continually pray. Thank you, God, that you will help us, train us, guide us, empower us to be loud. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now.